26 in the morning. We are sitting here in the press box of Rogers Place in Edmonton, Alberta for the last time this season. That's obviously me, Eric Dean of Mile High Sports, joined by Peter Bob the Athletic to break down the Avalanche's Game 4 victory and a sweep of the Edmonton Oilers in the Western Conference Final to head to the Stanley Cup Final for the first time in 21 years. And we're going to start off with the game-winning goal coming from Archery Lekkonen for the second straight year. Archery Lekkonen scores a game-winning goal in overtime of a series-clinching game to send his team to the Stanley Cup Final, doing it with two different teams in two years. Peter, let's chat. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. That was, I mean, one of the most, that was one of the most exciting games I've covered. The only thing I guess that maybe took down the excitement level was that it was, it was only a game four rather than a little later in the series, but it was pretty, I mean, that game had so many backs and back and forth, so many, like you thought one team was done. Then you thought the other team was done. I thought after the first period, Edmonton was done. Then Edmonton fought back. I thought going into the third, Colorado was done. I didn't think going into the third Colorado was done. I thought four to two. When it was four done. to two. Good yes. point. Good point. And then I thought Edmonton was done when Rantanen scored to make it five four, and then it's suddenly five five and going to overtime. And then even when uh, Lekkonen scored, you weren't a hundred percent sure if Edmonton was done because it went to review. But what a game! And um, I think Jared Bednar put it well when he said that like even though this was a sweep, it was a hard series. I mean, you saw the first game, Edmonton was right there. The second game, the Avs dominated. Third game was pretty close. And then this game, Avs were clearly the better team. Um, but it was certainly a really exciting series and a lot of big moments, even if it didn't last for a long time. In 2014, the New York Rangers lost in five games to the LA Kings in the Stanley Cup final. And there was a lot of overtime games in that one, but that was not a five game series. It was a close series. And that's kind of the way you felt here. So Let's break down what you just said. In game one, eight to six. I know the Avalanche were up seven to three, but Edmonton was ever so close to tying up that game when it was seven. Oh, I, I thought they were going to tie I, it up. I thought they were going to tie it up. When too. they got within one late, yeah. I thought they were going to tie that it up. That was the first game at Ball Arena since the Avalanche blew the three goal lead to the St. Louis Blues. It just felt like it was going to happen again. Then game two happens. The Avalanche play a much better game there, and they, you know, obviously close it out uh, with the shutout, the four to nothing game. Then they come to Edmonton, and I think I told you this. You know, before the game started in the media room, and I said that in Game 3, the Oilers did literally everything they could to win and still couldn't. They got the first goal from Connor McDavid 30 seconds in to get this place roaring. They uh, obviously had to get that penalty from Evander Kane, but they killed off the five-minute major. And Mike Smith was standing on his head, and then it took a weird bounce off a Val Nichushkin pass that ended up beating Mike Smith. But no worries, they're going to bounce back from that because even though the Avalanche had a 2-1 to one lead, Ryan McLeod beats Pavel Francouz. It's 2-2. Two bad two. goal. Bad, bad goal. Very bad goal. But now the, the place is feeling it again. And what, will we be, what would we be talking about right now if the Oilers pulled out the victory then? It would be a completely different story. Well, and it's, it's such a game of inches because even in that game, you watch back, Bouchard hits a post right before Comfort scores. And if yeah. that puck is a little more to the right, bingo. Bouchard. Oilers probably win the game. And yeah. Bouchard hits a post right before Comfort scores on a power play that they had late in third period, late in the third period, feeling it after McLeod's goal. Comfort comes out, scores a goal, game over. Miko Ranton and empty netter. Yeah. Then you come to this game. We all saw how it unfolded. The Avalanche got the first goal. And as you said, after the first period, it looked like it was all Avalanche. And the second period, what was interesting to me is that's where the Avalanche's bread and butter has been this entire series. Yeah, but not, not tonight. Not tonight. And I, I think Devon Taves, for as well as he's played these playoffs, and he's been unbelievable, especially this he's series. Had some weird he's had bad these, yeah, these plays. weird like plays that 
you didn't see him make in the regular season where it's turning the puck over in this case like he kind of overskated it and and that's a little funny like it it just is it's weird that he's still playing at such a high level but there's this one element of his game where he's maybe making these tiny mistakes um and it's something to clean up and I'm sure he will watch film and do all that good stuff but it's something I've noticed kind of throughout the playoffs despite to play at such a high level. But, yeah, they kind of let the game get away from him in the third. Um, they committed some penalties. Um, I'm trying to think of what the second goal was. So it was the first goal was Hyman. There were some defensive breakdowns. They allowed that stretch pass to Nurse, uh, or from Nurse to Dreisaitl, who also, Leon Dreisaitl, holy my cow. My God. We'll, we'll get to him. We'll yeah, talk we'll, about we'll, him. we'll have to talk about him. Take that guy on my team any day of the week. Yes. I don't know what my team is. Whatever my team is, I would take him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, he was unreal. But so yeah, second period it gets away from him. The and second then, goal was the Nugent Hopkins one, which is the one on the Taves. Uh, yep, the Taves takeaway, and then the penalty that led to the McDavid goal. And Bingo. I will say, like, even if it was a short series, it was pretty sweet seeing McDavid and Drysaddle each have huge moments throughout the series, and yeah. obviously a quite a talented group of Edmonton players here. Dreisaitl didn't score a goal. He had four assists tonight. He didn't score a goal throughout the entire series. But but he can't. And and like he's but hurting. there was also that's the play that could have iced it. He had an open net the power the, right yeah. before that was right before McKinnon tied. The one timer. Yep. He had on a one timer play with yep. McKinnon in the box. And it was the net was wide open and he hit a post. And that's another one of those like it was like the Bouchard play where it could have if that goes in, a whole game's different. Game of inches, man. If that goes in, the whole game is different. Bouchard doesn't hit the post, the whole game is different. Edmonton was ever so close to tying up game one. Other than the shutout, the other three were a gimme. Yeah. Like, we could be talking about going back to Denver, the Avalanche down 3-1 to one and having to really dig deep. That's the difference in hockey. It's literally a game of inches. It's a bounce. Like, it's a bounce going your way can decide an entire series. And as... As the Avalanche have had, it's it's been four games, and, and I'm not trying to take away from the way that they've been playing. They've earned every damn little bit of this. The fact that they're 12-2, and two, they've earned that. But, man, this was a tougher series than it, than it seemed to be. I guess the only complaint that you can have as a Fairweather hockey fan is, I wish there were two or three more games of this. Yeah. But in the four games that we got, we had a lot of excitement and a lot of entertainment. And I want to touch on Saddle really quick, so... Entering the series, this guy put up 17 points in a, in a five-game series against the Calgary Flames, hobbling his way to the bench at the end of every shift. It happened again in this series. Game one and game two, same thing. When he had that, what some call a slew foot and others don't call a slew foot with Nathan McKinnon, you saw him hobbling. Probably the, not a slew foot, but not an ideal trip. Not an ideal play, yeah. So whatever the hell that was with McKinnon in game three, you saw him hobble his way to the bench once again. And then tonight, he has that thing in the corner. He falls down. He's hurting. His glove comes off. Uh, he goes into the boards, and then you literally see him struggling to get to the bench. He gets to the bench, and in my head, I was like, okay, this is it. Leon Dreisaitl, he's fucking done. He's going into the locker room. He's done. He stays on the bench. He's writhing in pain. He doesn't look up for like a solid two minutes to the point where McDavid scored while that was all going on, and he was, or maybe it was Nugent Hopkins, and he was still looking down. He was still in pain. It was a Nugent Hopkins goal. He was still looking down. He was still in pain. The guy looked like he wasn't going to re-enter the game. Suddenly, not two minutes later, he's on the ice and assists on a Conor McDavid goal. Yep. The dude just does not quit. Yeah, I want to check if 
uh, he said anything. Injury. I know. I know. Uh, Darnell Nurse played with a torn hip flexor. I think it was. Oh gosh. Yeah. Jeez, man. I I don't think there was any anything on Drysaddle's injury yet, but Darnell Nurse's uh, hip flexor was uh, certainly the injury that, you know, a torn hip flexor for the entire playoffs after his team was eliminated. That's brutal. So for three rounds, that was Darnell Nurse. And this is always my favorite game, and it sounds like a very cruel thing to say of who had what. And um, I'm ex- I'm interested, not excited. I'm interested, intrigued, in knowing what what uh, Dry Saddle's injury is and how long he's going to be out for. Yeah, well, it, I, I it's a suspected ankle injury. I would guess that it it's probably not. It's maybe like it's re- very hard to play. I, I'm hopeful for him that hopefully it's like something that can heal yeah. in a a month or two or not be a super long, long thing, but yeah, brutal. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that we're going to see with the avalanche at some point as well. You know, once the avalanche season comes to an end, uh, you saw Gabe Landis I mean, go grabbing hard. his knee. Yeah. He was grabbing his knee when he went Which hard. Which is into a the surgically, boards. assuming it's the same knee. That's, yeah. It was the he right got knee. surgery. It was on, his right knee. Yeah. It was the one that he had surgery on. He had some sort of procedure done. And uh, this is a guy that hasn't p- taken part in any morning skate pretty much the entire season. Yep. I don't think any practices either. Uh, well, he did it in the season before he got hurt. I mean, in, uh, in the playoffs. In the playoffs, in, yeah. In the playoffs. Since, since his return from the surgery, he hasn't per- taken part in any of the morning skates. So uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued. And I know the avalanche season isn't done. We're kind of on a tangent right now, but... What's Landeskog's injury going to be in? Is that going to be kind of like Marshawn and all those guys where it's like, hey, congratulations on either A, winning the cup, or B, appearing in the Stanley Cup final, but injury four to six months, injury six to eight months. Like, it might be something crazy. And, and for Dry Saddle, for Nurse, for all these guys, this is just the start of their road back. But uh, let's get back to the game. So a part that I wanted to talk about was the – I don't want to say the officiating, but I want to see the, the say the power play discrepancy. So Jay Woodcroft has spent the last couple days really hammering the idea that the refs have been very one-sided with their calls. Um, you come in tonight, the Avalanche had a 16-6 power play advantage. Tonight it's 5-2 to for the Edmonton Oilers. Now, I don't want to sit here and have a conversation of did it work, and I don't want to sit here and compare it to Pete DeBoer last year with Vegas when he was complaining about official, of the officials and then they got the penalties. But all I want to say is this. The Oilers had a 5-2 to advantage in power plays tonight. The Avalanche were struggling on the power play for two games, and they score on both their chances today. Yeah, it's funny how that, that works. I will say, though, one of the, the penalties that uh, the Avs had was a, a puck over the glass yeah, penalty. So that's, yep. And also, Landis Guy. I don't know how Landis Guy was ho- called for holding on That was Cassidy. a very— It wasn't a good play. I did not like that hit. I thought that was a— pretty aggressive he hit was falling Cassian I think the fact that they were both falling saved Landeskog from getting a very major penalty yeah but the regardless I guess like that's I don't it's hard to have a problem with that penalty call a, a lot of the penalties that were called were pretty obvious yeah yeah yeah. no I'm not here to say that the the calls but were there right. are also so many penalties in a hockey game that if you slowed down like you're gonna you see can it. you can call 15 on each side in any given night yeah uh, the Landeskog one, the fact that he called, got called for holding, that to me was a clear sign of the official saw something and said he did something wrong, and I can't pinpoint exactly what it is, so we're going to give him something. Yeah, it was weird. It was a very strange play. The way they went down, the way Landeskog grabbed his knee, Cassian and then tried Cassian to jump Cassian hopped on it. And like... then they, Cassian was complaining to the officials as if they were going to give him a penalty as well, and then it ended up only being, I don't know, it was all just a strange, very odd, very, very strange odd. turn of events. But uh, and, the, and both scored huge goals later in the game, which yeah, is pretty funny. Shit, like that that was 
So, what was the biggest goal to you? Was it, I mean, obviously I mean, it was lacking in. <laughs> but leading up to that, was it the Zach Cassian goal, or was it the Miko Rantanen goal, or was it Nathan McKinnon tying the game? I think, well, knowing what we know about how the game ended, I mean, if the Oilers win, it's the Cassian goal. For sure. But since the Avs won, I think it's the McKinnon goal. Yeah. Because that's the goal where it's... It, it was the Avs had been clawing and clawing and clawing and couldn't quite bridge the gap. They got to three to two, then it was four, then they got to four to three. That was when they broke through and finally made it a a tie game. I can't. It's funny. I can't. I don't even. I know the goal happened on on the side of the ice that we're sitting closest to right now. But I, I'm struggling to like remember. I remember Rantanen, but the, there were so many you goals. Know, which tonight. one do you not remember? The McKinnon? McKinnon one when he came flying down the wing and shot a yep. short side on. Yeah, short side. That's the way right. he was able to. I don't know how he got it, but it's McKinnon. He was able to squeeze it it's in there. It's nuts that Nathan McKinnon might have been the fourth best player on the ice tonight. In, in, or, like, yeah. in this series. Yeah. With, I mean, McDavid, Drysaddle, McCarr. And like, we'll get to McCarr. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we will get to McCarr. And, and, by the way, that is not a knock on McKinnon when I say no, that. No, it was just a star-studded series yeah. with everybody playing at their highest level. Like a one-legged, Except Leon Drysaddle. A one-legged Leon Drysaddle <laughs> yeah. is the fourth best player in the NHL. A yeah. two-legged Leon Dreisaitl might put up 200 points next year. Like, geez, what a ge- what a yeah. player he's been. But uh, in Game 3, JT Comfer scored 10 seconds after exiting the box to get the game-winning goal. Mm-hmm. In Game 4, Nathan McKinnon was 28 seconds after exiting the box. Yeah. And that one was, again, for me it was as well, it was the biggest goal because, you know, Devon Taves comes out early in the third period, like, it was just it was just written in the stars for the Avalanche. You're down three to one. You're entering the third period. You got to get a quick one and make it a one goal game. Thirty one seconds in, I was like, all right, cool. So now Mike Smith is beatable. Then Zach Hyman makes it a two goal game again, and then it takes five minutes for Gabe Landeskog to score, and you're like, all right, it's four three. It's a one goal game again, and now he's beatable again. But the problem is, the guy on the other end also looked beatable. He let in four goals. Pavel uh, Francouz. Yeah, this not is a good not game. a banner game for goaltending. No, not a good game at Though all. Pavel Francouz, and we'll get to him, I'm sure, deserves a ton of credit for how he played this series. I don't know how much longer the starting job is his, but he deserves all the credit in the world. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, we will. But uh, that was the biggest thing for me was both goalies looked beatable, so now it was a matter of who's going to get the more opportunities. Well, then the Oilers get the power play. McKinnon's in the box for, I believe, tripping. And to me, that was game. And Dreisaitl pretty much had it, the play that it. you're referring. I mean, that, and he that hit makes the it side a, of the post. That makes it a two-goal game right That makes there. it a two-goal game, and it's over. But instead, Nathan McKinnon comes out, scores 28 seconds later, just literally squeaks it into the smallest little piece. And I think Smith kind of cheated a little bit against the post, and that doesn't help. But it's a 4-4 four to four game. Miko Rantanen just a minute, 17 seconds later, scores. And then Zach Cassian on a beautiful rebound uh, – or, sorry, on a beautiful shot by Dreisaitl that forced the rebound – ties it up again going into overtime you and i were texting and i told you it's 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 next goal next shot well wins. yeah i was trying to get it out of the podcast tonight i was saying we should do it at the airport in the morning because i was like i'm gonna be so tired post game and you're like nah this is gonna end this, quick this, and this overtime. ain't going long this and i going and long. i thought about it and i was like you know what he's probably right an um, artery lacking in so the game winning goal itself and we've been kind of jumping around but that's the kind of way this game was the game jumped around we're jumping around the game winning goal it wasn't a high stick, obviously, but how sick of a setup was that by Lekkanen to tap to to tip the puck down? Pretty unbelievable. I need to rewatch that goal again. I've watched it a few times, but like I was writing and like you're kind of like you're watching it, but you're not fully processing. I need to like go home and watch like clips of this game again because I don't. It's it's hard I agree. to like. I'm, but, I'm struggling to remember certain. But pieces. it was 
a crazy goal. And there was a moment because he had it on his stick for a, a few seconds before he shot it. Maybe yeah. not a few seconds, a few minutes. What felt but like a few seconds. I was like, goal, I, goal, I, I, goal. well, I was like, holy shit, Arturi Lekkonen is going to score another freaking season series ending overtime goal. Cup clinching, cup final clinching goal. Which is nuts. I yeah. mean, what a, I mean, and I was thinking about just in general, Joe Sackick's pickups. Lekkonen's been good all playoffs, but then scores obviously maybe the biggest goal of the playoffs to date. Josh Manson had an overtime winner. Andrew Cagliano has two game-winning goals. Yep. And Nico Sturm, yes, he's a healthy scratch, but who assisted Kale McCarr's game-winning goal against Nashville when mm. it looked like Colorado might get goalied against Connor Ingram? Nico Sturm. Who else but Nico Sturm? Was it Justin Barron in a first or Justin Barron in Justin a second? Justin Barron in a second. A second, okay. And Josh Manson was Drew Hellison. And a second. So they didn't end up trading the first. Well, they traded this year's first yeah, for like Kemper. Next year's first. Yeah. They didn't end up trading it. Okay. No, they kept their 2023 first. Although yeah. Nathan McKinnon would have traded that and nine and other nine first others, round yeah, picks. For... By the time those guys are in the NHL in 10 years, we're all gone. So apparently yeah. <laughs> these 10 first round draft picks weren't going to debut until they were 28. Yeah. Um, that one's a little bit better than when he said uh, – those guys aren't going to be talking about Baron and, and Hellison. Those guys are going to be good players in three or four years, and none of us are going to be here by then. Yeah, I know. Nathan is a very <laughs> sometimes sounds just very the greatest quotes fatalistic when he when he speaks, but um, I do not think that is like a coded message that he wants out. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> do people not were, oh do pe- not people overthink. Were, yeah, people were tweeting me back in in March like, why is McKinnon saying that none of them are going to be here in three years? What is happening? <laughs> if if the Avs pay him what he wants, he will be remaining in Colorado for a long time. I agree, and uh, but that's that's another. We're going to have some off-season conversations about the fact that I am starting to believe Nazem Kadri will be an Avalanche next season. But we'll talk about that in the off-season. That's something that just came to mind and has been for a little while. And Peter's giving me the stink face right now, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Not if Darren Ferris has anything to do about it. <laughs> um, but going back to the Arturi Lekkinen goal, so the faceoff is won. Back to Makar. Makar shoots it on net. And then Lekkinen tips it down to himself on the rebound, curls, and puts it right past Mike Smith on the wide open net. Clean faceoff win. Without cheating, without looking at a score sheet, which they've not picked them up, so we don't have them. Who won that faceoff? Darren Helm. Yes. Yeah. I How mean, crazy is that? I, I thought Jared Benner made a great point post game when he talked about Eric Johnson and Darren Helm were solid players for them in the regular season, but have been. You can kind of tell that these are veterans who. Maybe we're saving some stuff in the tank um, and are have have just been pretty unreal. Uh, For what reason other than fate and and having like a hunch that this guy can do it? Do you have your fourth line center of Darren Helm on the ice with your fourth line right winger of Logan O'Connor on the ice? Only the left winger is Lekkinen and not Cagliano. Yeah, well, Bender, it seemed like because it. I think what happened was, and I'd have to go back and look at the shift chart and all that, but he at a certain point was moving away from Rantanen at center because they weren't winning faceoffs, I yep. think. And so he had Comfer playing with Burakovsky and Rantanen and Lekkinen on the third line. And I think that you can just see that. But J- he, no, no, no. He changed it quite a bit because uh, I saw Comfer centering 62 and 96. So it looked like Burakovsky yeah. was jumped down to the to the fourth line, to the third, to the bottom six. So it, it, it was kind of a revolving door. And yeah. I think what happens in games like these are coaches pick the players that they feel like they can trust. And clearly, Jared Bednar has a lot of trust in Darren Helm right now. He has a lot of trust in, I mean, that's a testament to Logan O'Connor. I mean, you look at, look, game six of the St. Louis series. 
he didn't have his top line players out on the ice when time was winding down, which a lot of coaches do. He had uh, Darren Helm, Logan O'Connor, Eric Johnson, and those guys scored a goal. And then tonight it was the same kind of this like yeah. m- mix of forwards, but no Mika Rantanen on the ice, no Gabriel Landeskog on the ice, no no Nathan McKinnon, no Nathan McKinnon. But how? F- but like the point, the point that I'm trying to to push isn't that Helm was on the ice; it's that. Lekkinen was on the. Lekkinen was on with two fourth liners. Like, what made Jared say, "Hey, let's stick sixty-two on there with these two guys," and like, what? Why? Why Cogliano? Like, Cogliano didn't do anything to not be on the ice there, but for whatever reason, Jared made that decision, and Lekkinen obviously made it the right decision. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I hadn't even thought too much about it. I think it's he probably was mixing up. That was maybe his third line at that point, and that's how he liked. Like, like I think that was probably at that point the third line. Yeah, I could see that. And then Burakovsky and and Newhook and uh, Cogliano are kind of the spare parts. Or the or Burakov. Yeah, he's probably double Abe, shifting. Abe some Kubel because Burakovsky. Yeah, yeah, you get Bur- the point. Yeah. But yeah, so that was the other thing. Um, in terms of goaltending, uh, how was Pavel Francouz to you? Obviously, twelve saves in the first period. Final two periods, he faces twenty three shots, lets in a whopping five goals. I did not think he was particularly good tonight. Um, I think he would probably tell you that. Um, It does not change what I think about the series that he had. It maybe changes my approach if I'm the coach, which I am very much not. It maybe changes how I... Peter next coach of the Colorado (laughs) And Miko Rantanen, next GM. (laughs) Next GM, Miko Rantanen. Yeah, Miko Rantanen. If you guys haven't uh, watched the postgame, I I brought up that he told... uh, Earlier this playoffs, I think, he talked about like how he tells Joe Sackick like he should trade for more fins and he was like after Lackanen's goal I brought that up and he was like oh maybe that'll get me a GM job that's for after my career <laughs> after, GM. yeah so, um so yeah we'll be but my I, I do think that at this point Pavel Frenzos put together the games you needed him to put together but you're gonna have a good rest here and if Darcy Kemper if you can get him right and you count on him to tell you if he's seeing things well um then he's your goalie because he's the one you've ridden all year. And look, if he falters, you know you have a guy who can win you some games. But I, I don't. I think maybe the Francois magic might have worn out a little bit, and we'll see how how they approach this. So this is a conversation that we're going to have either nine or twelve days, which is when the Stanley Cup final is going to start, either in nine days from now or in twelve days from now. We're going to have that much time to kind of decide and or not decide, but debate. You, myself, and J.J. Jerez, who's back in Denver and we'll be podcasting with. We love you, J.J., and we'll have you on the next couple shows. Um, we're going to debate for the next week or so who the Avalanche turned to in the Stanley Cup final. But the fact of the matter is, the goalie at the other end is going to be one of Vasilevsky or Shesterkin. So you got to make the right decision here. You're not facing, with all due respect, Mike Smith or Ville Husso or Connor Ingram. You're facing one of these two goaltenders out of Russia that are two of the best in the NHL, if not literally the two best they in the NHL. They are probably the two best. The two best in the NHL. So you're three rounds into the playoffs. Both of your guys, Darcy Kemper and Pavel Francouz, you need 12 wins to get to the finals. They've each got six. Yep. Obviously, Frank, Frankie had two of those games coming in in relief, but he earned those victories as well. Uh, he almost lost the one against Edmonton, but he earned the wins. He got the W in the column. And he didn't play bad in the first game No, he, he didn't. No, he absolutely did not. But uh, the Avalanche kind of pissed it away in the third period almost as we have been talking about um but i'm with you 
and we'll debate all the different reasons why you pick either guy, but you start with Darcy Kemper, and if you got to change it up, you change on the fly. But you're not going to beat the Rangers or the Tampa Bay Lightning in goal. You're going to beat them on in front of the goalie. It's the five players. It's the defenseman. It's the goal. It's the forwards. But you need your goalie to not make a save. Yeah, to not let in egregious goals and to make a big save every once in a while. And look, Pablo Francis, the way I view him is he is a very high floor 1B. You know he's going to be fine at the very least most of the time. Darcy Kemper, for the second half of the season, since he came back from an upper body injury in December, was excellent. He was really freaking good for the Avalanche. And one of the best goalies in the league, if you look at advanced metrics, if you look at counting stats, whatever you want to look at. So I, I think that you have to look at who has the higher ceiling. And it's all contingent on Kemper's health and how he's feeling with his with his vision and all of that. Because if he can't see the puck, you, he should not be. He should not play. Not, yeah, uh, that changes everything. Not. But if he's healthy, he's your guy. And I think, as I said, you ride Francois until he gives, gives you a reason not to. And I think tonight was maybe a little bit of a reason not to. And that's not to take away from the job he did during this series because I thought he was excellent and I thought he was – I mean, like, it, it, it's worth repeating. The Avalanche are going to the Stanley Cup, and they won four games in the Western Conference Final against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl with Pablo Francouz and Nat. Yeah. Imagine hearing that a year ago when he hadn't played in a full season. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really freaking impressive. Pavel Francouz, who, by the way, prior to him winning six playoff games, already signed the same exact contract he was just completing yep. this season. Two years, four million, two million per season. Yep. What a what a damn move from Joe Sackick. Yeah, I mean, I think that's honestly about what he's worth if you look Laurent at Laurent like, Brossois makes more than that in Vegas. Yeah, but... Two million is low for a goaltender of that stature. Yeah, I mean, he's a number two goalie. You're not yeah. going to pay much. And I know it's not much lower. He should probably be making two and a half, two seven yeah. five. You're, but a half a million or point seven five of a million means a lot to a team that's going to be in the cap hell the Avs are going to be in. Totally, 100%. So, yeah, great move there. If you're getting six playoff wins from a guy making two million this year and the next two years, you're doing pretty good as a GM. And obviously, Joe Sackick is doing pretty good the last few years. But... Um, the last thing that I want to touch on before we close this baby up and, you know, set you guys up for a fun week of Stanley Cup preview action. Like, you just said it a second ago, and it's kind of crazy to say it out loud. The Colorado Avalanche are going to the Stanley Cup final. Indeed. As a reporter, it's crazy. As a longtime fan before that, it kind of feels weird because it's not the same, but it's also like, holy shit, like, I'm going to cover this. Yeah. And we're either going to New York or Tampa Bay, two really cool places to go. But... What I want to touch on is the post-game media availability. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of emotion, and I want to start with Eric Johnson. How cool was that to hear him talk about where he is? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, as a reporter, I mean, I had zero connection to this team. For sure, yeah. Unlike, it's not the like, same as it's mine, not, yeah. But it, you hear, when you hear people talk about what a big accomplishment means to them, it's cool. Like, you, you can see that it's special. And Eric Johnson, I I think I asked the first question in that press conference. And I just said like, Eric, you're going to be playing in a Stanley cup. What does that mean to you? And his eyes definitely looked a little moist. He was ready to break down. And he was teary. I think he was, he was a little overwhelmed and it's, it's pretty cool to see that. And I mean, look, if you look at, I think the avalanche players that were on the 16, 17 team are, uh, it was 
JT Comfer, JT Comfer, Miko Rannan, Gabe Landeskog, McKinnon, and Eric Johnson. Bingo. I think that's it. Yes. And for those guys, especially the ones who are maybe there, the few no, no like JT Comfer is very much in that group, deserves to be mentioned. One hundred percent. The ones who kind of saw the team go from a playoff team in fourteen to slowly going downhill to then just absolutely tanking. And those are your Nathan McKinnon, Eric Johnson, Gabriel Landis guys. Like, it, it's got to be quite a rewarding journey for them to get to this point. And I, I kind of wrote about this in my story um, tonight on the Athletics website about just how important it is to, yes, they haven't gotten the job done, but this is a big accomplishment. Whether or not, regardless of what happens in a few weeks, getting to the Stanley Cup is a huge deal. You know what I love? Nathan McKinnon's newfound love for the idea of enjoy the journey. Nathan, when have you ever watched him enjoy anything? <laughs> yeah, Nathan McKinnon. Like, obviously, we we see a fraction of it. We see what he's like in the in the post game press conferences. But the way he has talked after losses shows a level of composure that maybe we didn't always see last year, and I think speaks a lot to maturity, growth. And hard work because Nathan McKinnon is a guy who invests in all elements of his game. Nathan McKinnon invests obviously in the on ice stuff, but he that dude gets a ton of treatment every day. His diet, his, his diet, his, the way he treats his body. But and just... but it goes beyond just. I think he knows that to be as good a hockey player as he wants to be, he's got to be on top of it mentally. And I think he's talked in the past about getting a sports psychologist. He openly talks about it, which I think podcasts. is really cool. Yes. Yeah. And I think you you kind of see maybe the the natural maturation of Nathan McKinnon. This is a guy who's now, what is this, year nine for him? Yeah. Like, he's almost been in the league for a decade. Yeah. And you're seeing how he's grown up. And you're seeing what a, obviously, on the ice, what a player he's become. But I think that he deserves credit for his growth just in terms of his it does seem like he has a bit of a mature, more mature I'm still going to believe this narrative for as long as I'm doing this. And I mentioned it to you when it happened in kind of a joking way. But when the Avalanche lost game two to the St. Louis Blues, Nathan McKinnon trotted his ass out to the media room without Gabe Landeskog. No Gabe Landeskog talking after a loss by himself. Came out there with a positive attitude, with a smile on his face and said, everything is fine. And I said that Nathan McKinnon, I still believe this in the heart of hearts. And if I ask him about it at this point, he's going to be like, what are you talking about? I don't even remember that. It was so long ago. I genuinely He'll remember, but he'll pretend not to. He'll pretend not to. I genuinely believe in the heart of hearts after the Avalanche lost that game. And everybody was freaking out because you're going back to St. Louis, tied 1-1 in a tough building. Went to the Avs and said, Gabe, sit this one out. I'm speaking. And came out and did the Nathan McKinnon thing where he doesn't cross his arms and get pissed off. He came out with a positive attitude and mindset and said, everything's fine. We're going to there. We're going to steal one, hopefully steal two. And they will come back. Yeah. yeah. I do not know if I genuinely it works like that, that. Um, but I, I might have. And I, I regardless, it's yeah. I mean, it's he's a he's a force on the ice. And I think you're it, it, a lot of credit goes to how he's built. And I, I also think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Kale McCarr. Yeah. who Wayne Gretzky on TNT said was the best player on the ice every game this series. Um, Which he was. And there was a guy named Connor McDavid also on the <laughs> ice. And, and a if, guy named Nathan McKinnon. And a guy named Leon Dreisaitl. Yep. Um, 
that's, I mean, obviously very high praise from the best to ever do it. And Cal McCarr just, I think that the, maybe nationally he still had this reputation of this is a guy who is this new modern offensive defense. Can only put up points. But yeah. can he play defense? And look. He didn't shut down Connor McDavid because no one's going to freaking shut down Connor McDavid. He made him human. Yeah. Three kinda. goals and four assists in four games That's still is, pretty, is pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty darn good. But let me follow it up by saying this. He kept McDavid human. He, I mean, that's about the same kind of production the Blues were getting out of Perron. If yeah. you're lowering McDavid down to the level of And I of think Perron, McDavid only had one even strength goal. Yep, and you're doing a pretty good job. Not only did he hold McDavid to seven points and do the defensive thing he does, it took a big night tonight. Kel McCarr had nine points and out, I don't want to say outscored, out point produced Connor McDavid. Yeah. All the talk was around Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid, and Kel McCarr had more points than Connor McDavid in the series. How many goals did McCarr have this series? I know he had I want to say two. So almost had the same number of goals. Um, Yeah, I mean, look. If you were to do an avalanche first three rounds MVP ranking, it's Makar 1, McKinnon 2, Kadri 3. Kadri 3, yeah. And then, honestly, like, Miko Rantanen, the way he's coming on, is... He wants to steal it. He scored a goal in every game this series. Yeah. Well, and see, here's the deal with kind of the Kadri thing. The way I see it is that Miko Rantanen... The way to repl- the Avalanche were winning a lot of hockey games the first two rounds with Mika Rantanen playing at a not himself level. If he goes back to that level, JT Comfort keeps playing well, and you get the Darren Helms of your team to like keep playing at this level and have maybe a, one other guy step up, a Burkowski, a new hook, someone like that. Then you're gonna. That's how you replace Nazem Kadri. You have Mika Rantanen going back to being a star, and you have other guys stepping up a little bit because you're not going to do it all at once. But if Rantanen's going to be a play like a, the top level player he is rather than a middle six winger who isn't going to carry a line, then you're, you're going to be okay. If you need to use JT Comfort at center and, 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 you know, we're we're here counting out Nazem Kadri. Kadri's on Instagram commenting on posts. Oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think it's out of the question. From what I have heard, it is not out of the question at all. He returns. I don't necessarily think it's like he's not going to be his best. Yeah, you can't count on him to necessarily be at the level he was. Yeah. in the Blues, but series. he needs he needs to be a part of this. Watching that handshake line, watching that celebration, and knowing Kadri wasn't isn't in it sucks for him. Yeah, like genuinely sucks for him, and it made me feel for him. Because that's a moment that he'll never get back. Sure. That his first yeah. time that he's playing for the Stanley Cup final or his team is playing for the Stanley Cup final, he was not on the ice to celebrate or on the bench to celebrate with his team clinching that game for totally. the first time in his career. So that's a bummer. Uh, you want my prediction? Nazem yeah. Kadri will be playing game one. It's I, nine or 12 days away. I know it's a broken thumb and it's, it's coming back from that. But what's the difference between 12 days away and 16 days away? Is it really that big of a difference for him to return I mean, to one versus four three? days of healing. Yeah, but... <laughs> Which matters. Yeah, but it's not, you know, it's 12 days is a lot of time where it's like if he's going to play rehabbing a, a, a surgically repaired thumb in 16 days for game three, he's going to play rehabbing a surgically repaired thumb in 12 or 14 for games one and two. And that's assuming... 
the, the Stanley Cup final starts June 18, not June 14, which is still a possibility. As well. I, I'm I would not put my money on Game One. I think there's a chance he plays in the series. Yeah, but Game One is. I think if you – I don't know the surgery he got. Yeah. And this is but. me without knowing what he got as a surgery, without even knowing what the rehab of a broken thumb looks like. All I know is that you probably shouldn't be playing hockey within a month of getting surgery on a thumb. Uh, so if he's going to be crazy – if he's going to be the crazy ass that he is or the hockey player that he is to play – 15 or 16 or 17 days post-op he's probably going to be like fuck it what's an extra three or four days that's kind of the, the thought process that i have speaking very ignorantly not knowing anything about the details of what he did yeah which is where i i kind of am like i don't know if i necessarily want to get into speculating because we just don't know what the oh, yeah. procedure was but yeah i mean game one is not that far away and he did suffer a pretty serious injury but if he doesn't play, I'll say this, and I'll uh, before I do this, I want to ask you if you have any closing thoughts because we're already at thirty six minutes and we've got a week worth of podcasts. Yes, I need do. to go to bed. Yeah, so no closing thoughts. Just uh, yeah, my that. closing thoughts are: uh, it's been a pleasure this series. Edmonton's great. Weather was nice until it rained today, and uh, I need to get some sleep. Yeah, it's one o three in the morning. What time do you got to be at the airport? Not too, too. I'll be able to sleep until like 8.30 probably. Uh, I got to be at the airport by like 8.45, so it's going to be a bummer. And it's a far-ass airport. Edmonton, yeah. like Denver. Is, what time's your flight? It's an 11 a.m. flight, but I got to check in at the airport. Yeah. So it's a whole thing uh, that we probably shouldn't board the yes, podcast yes, with. Yes. But let me close out with this. In two th- Well, two things. Number one, in 2001, after the second round, Peter Forsberg had to have his spleen removed. And I don't know if you've done that research. But yeah. he missed the last two rounds of the playoffs. The Avalanche had to turn to their third-line center. One Chris Drury wears jersey number 37. Wow, look at the parallels. And elevate him to the second line to play in the Avalanche's top six, to beat the St. Louis Blues in five games, and then to eventually beat the New Jersey Devils in seven games. Yeah. This season, Forsberg wore 21, Kadri wears 91. If the Avalanche don't get Nazem Kadri back, they're going to have to rely on their third-line center, who plays a very similar game to Chris Drury. I know you probably didn't watch Chris Drury as much as I did. Plays a very similar game to Chris Drury. To bring him up to the second line, and here is where it gets even more, as I like to call it, kinky hockey. If the New Rangers win, the New York Rangers win. Chris Drury. Chris Drury is a general manager, and we'll have to watch a number 37 do what he did 21 years ago. That's pretty funny. That's it's pretty good point. crazy. Now, the second closing thoughts that I have is going to be similar to the way we close out the first one. The crumpling comes back out. Oh, gosh. I will have one chip. I we have can't. a bag of all-dressed chips. We're each going to have one chip to celebrate. Peter's going to open it right into the mic. I'm very sorry to treble, man. We are each going to take a chip. We are each going to enjoy a chip, and we're going to call it a podcast. Those are really so, good. As I reach into the bag and grab a bag of chip, an old dress chip, and crunch it into the microphone. So what is an all? So it's just all the all the flavors in one, basically. It's all dressed. So you're getting a live food take for me. So as I crunch mm-hmm. an all dress chip, and Peter goes for a second one, I yeah, say this. I need a full taste test. Let me let me let me get his taste test before we move on. I quite like it. It tastes the flavor you taste the most is barbecue you get the barbecue i get a tint of like dill pickle in there mm-hmm. sometimes you get a like a feel of like the salt and vinegar 
Peter one chip man's going for his third chip. Well, this is why I was te- hesitant in a habit because I knew I'd do this. <laughs> I'm gonna eat the rest of this for my 10 minute walk back to my uh, hotel. Yeah. Um, but here's what I will say: to all the Avalanche fans that have waited 21 years, congratulations! This is gonna be a lot of fun. Do what Nathan McKinnon says and enjoy the journey. If the Avalanche lose game one, don't freak out and go crazy. The sky's not falling. If they lose game two after winning game one, don't freak out and go crazy. The sky's not falling. Enjoy the journey. Cheer like hell. This is going to be really fun. And we'll see where it goes. It's going to be really exciting. June 30th is only 23 days away, and that's the last possible day the Stanley Cup final could, the Stanley Cup trophy can be awarded. And that's only if the final starts in 12 days and if after starting in 12 days it goes seven games. So enjoy it. This is going to be so much fun. It's going to be an exciting time. Thanks for all the mentions, for all the tweets, for all the likes. Love interacting with all of you guys. We love having Peter on the show. JJ will be joining us in Denver. So keep up the interaction. Keep bringing, keep giving us your opinions and, and sending me those DMs. I love reading all the crazy-ass DMs I get every single day. Some of them are a lot crazier than others, but I love hearing your opinions. But with that, as I go for a second chip, I'm going to say, if you made it this far in the podcast, press bless your pretty little hearts let's make hockey for everyone and we out ya